Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of November 16th. I'm your host, D. Swab, Derek Kessinger. Join with the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. And Kyle, we're going to dedicate this episode to you this week because it's officially Blue Gray 100 week. Um, you know, it's uh, one of the crown jewels of the sport. I know you're pumped up. It's in a marquee event. So you are excited with the crown jewels happening this weekend really quick before we get started that absolutely threw me for a complete loop uh i have i had absolutely no clue that the blue gray 100 was this week but, but no yeah no. well now that you say that i mean we have to get pumped up right i mean there's no other way i think that if we go back and uh, i can't even believe i'm saying this about myself but and find that episode earlier this year right and uh replay what 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 kind of blasphemy that was just so everybody knows what uh what we're talking about here and and just how just how meaningful this race is this weekend uh but yeah yeah no it uh that's uh i guess guess it's this weekend right i mean we all thought that crown jewels were were all done for the year but <laughs> apparently not so uh still keeping it going late late november on to thanksgiving in his defense, Kovac, the Blue Gray 100 has had some uh, great winners, Hall of Fame winners, a long time race. So Kyle does have a That's point cool. there. It might have been at one point of, you know, a big marquee November race. Still a big deal there down at Cherokee that bring up a lot of fans. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a well-known name. There's no doubt about that. And uh, and it's uh, it's been around a lot of a lot of good winners on that list there, too. Uh, it's still – but it's 100 laps for 10,000 to win, I believe. Isn't that what it still is this weekend? 12. It's a 12, 12 grand. That's yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a long way at Cherokee uh, to go for that, especially this season. It doesn't, uh, it definitely doesn't stand out with that, but um, uh, yeah, so it's just, a, just, it's just a reminder that if uh, anybody says anything like, like, uh, like Kyle made a little, little, little faux pas there was saying, putting that in the ground jewel care category that we're all going to remember it. So it, 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 we're going to be, get, get ridden about that for a while historic race it's all it's it's always been a huge race in the south okay it's just yeah it's a historic know, and regional event we'll give you, know, you that I mean, you know madden bloomquist all the big names down here have won the race it's just and have right. been there it's just you know it's just not a crown jewel sorry sorry kyle that's that's all that's and we like to poke fun at the new guy and we obviously exactly. still do so you know it's that's uh that's all yeah, great race. We could talk about it all day long, just the rich history of that race and event at Cherokee and Robert. We could talk about the winners at the Peach State. We could talk about Ricky Thornton winning, winning 53 grand, but they broke the internet there on Thursday night, Friday morning, when they had the tarps on the racetrack, a hurricane went through. Um, yes, it might have been a little sloppy there on Friday, but kudos to Pollard in the game to get that race in. But how wild was it on Friday when they're taking the tarps off? You have a helicopter trying to dry it. It was uh it was quite the scene there down in the Peach State. I'm not sure if you'll if you if we ever have seen such an effort or will see such an effort again, uh and you know, for guys trying to get a race in. Uh, obviously I don't know if you can do that on a bigger half mile racetrack. Just there's just too much ground to cover, maybe. But uh, for these smaller tracks, you know, who knows? Maybe they set the bar, you know, so high that other prom- for other promoters now, they're like, hey, look what these guys at at uh, at Son- Sonoya did. We've really got to step our game up to try to get this, you know, race in. You know, and then a couple drivers probably were were just had hoped that they had just gone ahead and canceled it. Uh, and, and kind of getting a vibe from not necessarily all the drivers, but just kind of a few people they are like, you know, they should have just canceled this, but you can't fault them because the place was packed. You know, the, the grandstands, you know, by Saturday packed the pit area packed the infield where the cars where the spectators were parking packed, you know, I mean, and, and so that, that kind of goes to the point of, of some kind of these promoters that are are barking and making uh, comments about how live streaming is hurting their event. Not true. It was 45 degrees when I left that place and it was packed. 
on Saturday. You know, 45 degrees and the wind was howling. And let me tell you, 45 degrees in Tennessee, it bites more than 45 degrees in Illinois, Derek. I mean, it is. it was cold down here. And or I should say in Georgia, I'm from Tennessee, but 45 degrees in Georgia, it just hits different than 45 degrees in, in Illinois. It was it was cold. Those guys did a great job. They wanted to get their show in. They set out to prove that they were serious about dirt late model racing. You know, obviously, uh, Bubba Pollard is an asphalt guy. Uh, you know, the family is, but they they own this really fifty plus years of action at that track uh, between the dirt track, you know, and when it was paved and stuff. And so they wanted to prove that they're in this for the long haul. And I don't can't think of a better way to do it than bring out a helicopter on Friday morning. When you roll out a helicopter on Friday morning, if that doesn't say serious, I don't, I don't know what does say serious. That, that clearly lets everybody know that we have a big event. You know, they're not going to do this for a weekly show. We know that. We know that. We're not asking anybody to go out there and do this for their weekly race. But this was a big race. You know, $73,053 in winner's money on the line, uh, crowning a, a champion for the series. This was a big weekend. It was a big weekend for racing in the South. And they came through. Tyler Herb said he pulled 120 tear-offs. Well, he was still there pulling tear-offs. Maybe. Maybe the track should should get a tear-off sponsor if it's ever in that kind of shape again, I guess. But, I mean, the guys were there. They put in the effort, and kudos to them for, for going above and beyond to, to make sure that fans were, were treated to a season-ender that, that uh, well, in all reality, Ricky Thornton Jr. kind of stunk up. But uh, you can't fault uh, the track for trying, that's for sure, because they put in – a, a crazy effort. It was great. And I will say this as a good note, that helicopter driver had to have some big cojones there to drive underneath those power lines to get that low. It was uh, quite the scene. Uh, Kovac, be honest, we've seen people try to tarp before. I think like Bubba's tried to do that at one point. We've seen like, you know, uh, those airboats at East Bay trying to drive the racetrack. Did you ever think they were going to race when you were seeing those pictures? on Friday morning. I was like, okay, maybe they can salvage to run Saturday, but the, you know what? They kept working at it. They kept working at it. They had like 30 people in a group photo that were just getting that track tarped and everything and getting the tarp off. Yeah, it's uh look at the forecast. I'm like, they they probably will be at least get Saturday in. I mean it depends on how much uh you know there was a one there was a question like what what happens to all the rain if the have you have the tarps on there is that rain just all collect on the bottom is it all just go to the bottom and make giant puddles will they have to pump that out or whatever i mean it, there's there's other questions when when you try something like that and like you said bubba i believe did try it and uh i've heard it talked about before you know but well, how can't i catch a tarp racetracks and and because there's many racetracks where it's just you know, it just takes too long to bring the track back. And, and, you know, like a baseball game where they have tarps, they just put the tarp on there when it rains. And then as soon as it stops raining, they pull it off, you know, and you can go. And and it doesn't uh, – you don't have to run the infield in like you do at a racetrack uh, and take all that extra time. So the, the, the logic is there, eh? If we have – we put these on, maybe it'll work. Maybe we could get more races in. But, but like – Robert said, it's, it's just, it's a big area. We're not talking about a little baseball field. Uh, baseball fields have the tarps all rolled up on the side and you just get the tarp crew and push them out and, uh, and cover the field quickly before it could even lose it. Uh, but when you have a racetrack, I mean, rain comes down hard, you know, you're not, you couldn't do that. Like on the fly, you have to do it in advance. And, and I think the conditions are perfect kind of to do it where they see, well, this is uh, the, the remnants of the hurricane coming through. Uh, we know you could see it, it came to the point where they knew where, how long it would probably last, uh, you know, till the morning on Friday, you know, so let's put it up because that would have, that would have really sucked if they would have done all that. And then that was a lot of people to put all that tarp down. Uh, and then all of a sudden, right after they, uh, it, it starts raining again after they pull them all off, you know? So it was a, it was the good kind of a cutoff where it could just stop raining and, and they think it'll be okay. Uh, Man, it, it was. I know that it definitely got them a lot of attention. That was a great pre-race promotion for it. Uh, 
Robert, again, he mentioned how teams probably saw that effort going into it and be like, man, well, let, let's, let's, we'll give it a try. If they're going to give it that much of a try to race. Uh, then let's go. We're not, let's just not call it off because I think it's going to rain. Uh, and, and I, and I think it just spread around the even fans and everything. Like, look at the way this racetrack is doing. I was out at Las Vegas for the duel in the desert. And I, and I'm literally the first person I had a, a person come. He's in a, was an announcer at, uh, out in the West coast. And I, he happened to see me. I was going to sign in and he said, Hey, how's it going over there? Sonoya, you know? And, um, and I'm like, I, I wasn't even expecting that question. Like when I first got to Las Vegas, but he was in tune of what was happening with all the, uh, all the tarps being put down. And, and it got to him, a guy from California who was uh, at the Las Vegas race, uh, wondering what was happening and if I was going to be able to get that in. So, uh, that definitely spread around, spreading those uh, tarps, spread the word about the, the Peach State Classic. Yeah, Kyle, in terms of racing, huge win for Kyle Bronson. I think it was his first super win of the year. I thought they announced that during you know Victory Lane. And also the first win since July 2nd for a super late model action for Ricky Thorne. Some guys that were there, you know, you had Madden, Sheppy, a couple other big heavy hitters. You thought maybe they were going to be the class of the field. Nope, two guys that needed wins desperately get her done on a kind of a Cinderella weekend down there in Georgia. Yeah, Ricky Thornton, actually, it really never dawned on me until I read Todd's response in our Fast Talk on Monday that uh, Ricky Thornton, that was his first win since since uh, Muskegon, I think, on the prelim night. Yeah, July there. 2nd, um, and he won the night there. before at Portsmouth, July 1st. So a full right. feature in terms of, you know, like a full feel was July 1st. But yeah, July second right. was so, right. I remember talking to, I yeah, I remember talking to Ricky um, at Muskegon, thinking that, you know, if if he can bottle that week in July from Ohio, what can he do? You know, the back half of the season going into going into twenty twenty three, and you know, it's uh, it's quite shocking, honestly, that. Um, that this was his first win this past weekend, really since first few days of uh, July there, because you know he's he's been. It's not like he's been far off, right? I mean, he's been um, he's been in the picture. He just hasn't necessarily been in the forefront. So, but no, I mean a completely dominant win. Uh, didn't get a chance to to watch that in real time, but watched the highlights and and uh, you know and. Same with Kyle Bronson too, right? I mean, two guys that um, that are no strangers to uh, running roads on the national tour, and obviously no strangers to Victory Lane as well. And I feel like if there have been two two guys this year that maybe have gotten lost in the shuffle, so to speak, this back half of the season, it'd have to be Kyle Bronson and Ricky Thornton Jr. Just because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, if you aren't winning races especially in this day and age when there's so many racing and races going on across the country. I mean, if you're not winning, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to maintain relevancy. Right. And so very timely victories. Yes. For both of them. I also want to note too, a little bit off subject, but a hundred cars at Sonoa and uh, Las Vegas between the two. And, and that's, uh, I found that kind of, uh, you know, that stood out to me from this past weekend, you know, you got a hundred race cars between two tracks on opposite ends of the country. And, you know, this late in the year, I just found that unique about, you know, just, I guess the health of our sport and, you know, just uh, in a time where we're racing around the calendar, you know, year round, it seems that, uh, you know, these race teams aren't stopping as well, but no, I mean, Ricky Thornton Jr., Big win for him and then Kyle Bronson as well. So, I mean, it was a good weekend. Robert seemed to have fun and, you know, great to see packed stands and packed crowd. And, and uh, you know, when uh, I just hope that, uh, you know, some of these promoters that want to make claims without fact-based evidence that streaming's hurting their racetracks or, or their product, you know, looks at this past weekend and, and, and thinks, you know, uh, how can we take a, a, a page out of, uh, Sonoa's playbook here and, and not with the helicopters, but just the effort and the ingenuity that goes into putting and and uh putting into what makes uh you know what made the Peach State Classic uh honestly memorable. So um yeah, a great weekend for those who uh were in Georgia. Yeah, phenomenal weekend there. 
working their ass off, busting their balls to make sure we have the race. And Robert, just another note that I thought was pretty cool. He had five drivers out of those nearly 100 that competed this past week and win 20 grade or more. Obviously, in Las Vegas, Clayton, Pierce, and Davenport, they've won their fair share. But the guys like Ricky Thornton and Kyle Bronson, who desperately needed a win, it's kind of like golf. How bad do those guys want to go back out and race because they finally get one? It's like hitting a birdie or par on hole 18. You instantly want to go back out there and race. But on the mean, on the flip side, it's a good thing is because we race so much, they're going to get a chance to maybe kind of catapult off their victories and start a hot streak. Yeah, I mean, we race so much now that that those guys will have very little rest, actually. Uh, you know, like, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what either one of their schedule looks like the the rest of the year. Bronson could easily go over to, to Alltech towards the end of the year uh, and run that race, clearly. And then, uh, and then uh, RTJ may wind up going to the Dome. I'm not sure. but uh, He is scheduled but, for the Dome. Okay, so so both of those guys are going to get right back at it really, really soon, and that's definitely hey, just a, a a byproduct of our of our sport with with Kyle. It obviously just makes sense for Kyle to go to Alltech. He's right there, you know, and then uh, it's, it's just a byproduct of our sport now. You know, the, the, you don't have time. It's like it's not quite like football where or it's not quite like I should say basketball where you lose a game and 2 days later you get to get right back at it uh and try to put put that stuff behind you or continue winning or whatever but it's it's very similar to sticking ball sports where you win or lose you want to go back out and I found that's the thing that I found as as a competitor who who grew up in the sport, watching a stepdad race, watching a brother race, and and owning a car, it's it's hard to stop actually, because when you win, you really do want to keep going. You want to keep winning. You want to get to the next one. Everybody has a breaking point at some point. We're like, oh, I'm tired. I really need to refresh my equipment. I need to just take some time off. Everybody has that, but but when you're winning, you do want to keep going. You want to keep pushing ahead and get to the next one because you want to like, you know, hey, we got things rolling right now. Let's keep it rolling. And when you lose, I found that you want to keep going because you're like, I've got to get to the next one because I got to turn this thing around. I've got to figure out, you know, we've worked all week. I got to figure out if what I've worked on is 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 going to be the key to getting me back on track. So it's uh, athletes, competitors in general. Uh, there's there's no rest for any of them, whether it be working their tails off in the shop or getting out to the next race or whatever it is. I mean, they're always, always thinking about the next race, win or lose, because how many, how many guys, and I read this a lot when I'm looking at people's profiles, racers' profiles, and I've seen this several times when it says most important race, the next one. The next one doesn't say Eldora, doesn't say Dirt Track World Championship, doesn't say some big race at their home track. I've seen it multiple times when I've looked at people's profiles. What's your most important race? The next one. And that's just a competitor in all of us, I think. We're just eager to get to the next one, man. Yeah, and then in today's world, you can build off that win. Maybe if it was like 10, 15 years ago, you win that race in October, you ain't starting to race or competing one until maybe February for speed week. So you can kind of get that mojo going, keep that morale going. And Kovac, we started with something that blew up the internet. It's Sanoa. What about the thing that kind of went viral over in uh, Las Vegas for you when Bobby Pierce and Jimmy Owens got into it in the heat race? You have a lot of Pierce experts and a lot of Jimmy Owen experts kind of describing their thoughts on the story. And just uh, one of those, one of those things that clip just went uh, retweets and shares and, uh likes on facebook it was a uh, it was quite the weekend for stuff that the dirt late model world to you know get shared and liked a whole bunch on the social media aspect but yeah that was a wild scene there it, it was kind of a weird sort of incident in the heat race on friday night when uh <clears throat> bobby threw a slider uh, uh tried to pass owens uh to get up move up a little bit owens uh, pierce didn't have as good of a a qualifying run as he would like. So he was trying to pick some spots up because he knows how important starting spot was in that feature. Because if you had to pass anybody in the feature, you're probably going to wear your stuff out, uh, your tires out. It seemed like at, at a, and when it went also was tough to pass because the top side was so dominant. 
uh, most of the nights in Las Vegas. But um, and he throws a, it kind of comes, hits, he gets into the the right front nose there of, of Owens' car. The fender flew off of Owens' car, and I mean it's you know it's right after that you know when that happened, Pierce slid up, and Owens even without the fender was able to slide underneath and still stay get you know, go back ahead of him of Pierce coming off the corner. And then I mean there's the question I don't know did did uh, what Bobby thinks that Jimmy was. Uh, was angry and might have hit the brakes, gave him a brake check when he got in front of him on the straightaway or whatever, because when they got there, uh, Owens got hit. I mean, he was slow and right in front of, of Bobby, and Bobby kind of ran right into the back of him, all the way to the air cleaner. He took the mess up the air cleaner, carburetor, all kinds of stuff there, and the luckily missed the radiator, but uh, did mess up the nose of, of Bobby's car, and then Jimmy goes spinning around. Both of them knocked out of the heat race, obviously. Uh, from the damage that they had, and it was Bobby took the blame for it. I mean, everybody's saying, "Oh, it's a horrible, terrible move." And Jimmy Owens obviously wasn't very happy with it. See, already Jimmy had, had a Jimmy overall had a terrible weekend in Las Vegas. He hit the wall in the feature of a two on 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 Thursday night. Gets involved with this on Saturday, on Friday, on Friday night with Bobby, and just patched his car up to start the feature, and, and didn't really had to pull out. And Saturday he got banged up again with a. Uh, during the race and had to pull out early. So um, rough weekend for Jimmy. He even had a really funny comment, though, that when I, when I went up to him on Friday night, I said, how much damage did you get? And he kind of looked over that much, and he looked over at this pile of, like, there's an A-frame, there's suspension parts, there's body work all right next to his trailer. He goes, that much? And everybody started laughing. It was around him. And then he goes, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I just hope I don't have to leave the whole, you know, effing car, he said. <laughs> you know, and, and then damn near did because of how much accidents he had. He he was used a lot of parts. Uh, So, um, and Bobby did take the blame for it. He said it was a bad move. He was trying a little too hard, trying to get a, uh, you know, getting more spots for the feature starting spot, you know, and, and, uh, you know, no, there was no incident between them. They didn't yell at each other. You know, Jimmy didn't go down there. And he was too busy working on his car. Both of them were. so I, I know people did talk about Aaron. Hey, Bobby did. Bobby Pierce got into him. He caused that. And at least Saturday, though, Bobby started up front, had a good qualifying run. Didn't have any incidents with anybody like that. So it was a it was a smooth race. I'm glad. I'm sure he was happy about that. That he didn't get into it with anyone again. Didn't have to even throw a slider uh, to do anything on Saturday. So, uh, but yeah, it was a pretty big deal there on Friday uh, between those two. Real quick before I go back to Robert, did you play any craps this past weekend? No, I didn't get down there. I never. I, I went down to the strip only. I stayed outside of town. I wasn't going right downtown, right near the racetrack. Made it easy to get back and forth. And uh, I went downtown on Sunday because I had a red eye fly, which I'm still recovering from. I think, man, I'm still. I got to still calibrate back here to the East Coast time because, man, some of those races were long shows. I think they might still be running the stock car feature there on Saturday night. I'm not sure if it's not <laughs> over. I left there after midnight and they were still racing. They weren't even racing at that point. They had three features to go uh, after the late model feature Saturday night. They still, uh, they were working on the racetrack at, this is midnight Pacific time. And, and I don't think, I'm not sure what time they started. I see people say they woke up in the Eastern time zone or central time zone or whatever. It was like six 30 in the morning and they were still racing out of Vegas. So uh, I know it was long, long nights uh, there um, for, for, especially for the other divisions. Uh, but I, I went, I didn't, I never, never did any uh, gambling, never went to a casino other than seeing uh, some uh, slot machines in the airport. I did go to, uh, I, I spent my time, I went to the Atomic Testing Museum. I'm sure everybody was really interested in that in Las Vegas on Sunday to waste a little time. Very interesting though, about the atomic bomb testing and stuff. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> go over to Robert now. <laughs> he has a car. All right, Robert, what's oh, up? Well, my my takeaway from from that whole thing from Kevin there is a how geeked up is Kevin going to the atomic testing zone for starters okay and then and then secondly testing museum uh, wasn't our, known it was just oh, test. sorry it's not, no, okay. it's my, it was my very bad, informative it was very for informative testing museum all right and then this the second really the biggest thing was how professional and how good is kevin to actually get that much out of jimmy owens after a crash i mean damn man great job great job for kevin being on the spot being able to get seven to eight words out of the o show very (laughs) he had everybody laughing too it was like 
he was because he was around with like all his crew guys and stuff, and everybody friends were there. And man, and he had them cracking up when he made that. He cracked those jokes. He was in a very uh very joking mood, oh, uh, Jimmy. There. <laughs> well, that's uh. Yeah, it's good that we got some good, uh, great uh, analysis from Jimmy Owens after you know a hard crash with Bobby Pierce on Friday. Bobby Pierce bounces back on Saturday. It was a great weekend for guys to make money. Great uh, weekend that they both got their shows in. Um, for the topic this week, both national series released their schedules on Friday or last Thursday and Friday. Kyle, I mean, obviously the biggest outlier was the Lucas Oil side with the Dirt Track World Championship. Still going to be in Ohio, but we're going Western Ohio. They said that Lawrenceburg was too far west for this race, but we're going all the way, you know, to the track that uh, is probably the most famous dirt late model track in the entire country, if not the most famous circle short track in the entire nation, Eldora Speedway. A lot of people had their opinions on it. Congrats to Jonathan Davenport. He'll finally get to cross that crown jewel off the list. I already told him that I have my tweet ready to go when you have that crown jewel sweep, that it's a fraud win that doesn't count. So I uh, know he was very excited. We chatted about it. And he actually told me that before even though it was released, him and Rigsby are talking about it, where this race should move. And he did tell Rigsby, Eldora Speedway. So I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty cool as well. Like he's a fortune teller or something. So your thoughts on that first, the Dirt Track World Championship. Historic race in that Ohio, Ohio Valley, West Virginia area, going to Western Ohio in October, which all these crown jewels are headed to the Big E, apparently. Yeah, you know, as I've gotten more involved, obviously, in the sport and have been lenient on, you know, forming strong opinions, you know, just because I, you know, want to make sure I know what I'm talking about and have confidence as to what I'm talking about. And so what I'm trying to say is, is that, of all the things that have come up this year, news-wise, and things that have happened in the sport, you know, I feel very strongly against this. First and foremost, obviously, it's it's going to be a much better show, right? I mean, Portsmouth, of all the races that I had, you know, traveled to this year, I've watched races in 15 states-ish this year across the country, you know, thanks to the opportunity here at Dirt on Dirt. And... Of all the races that I saw this year, I'd have to say the Dirt Track World Championship was easily the worst, the worst racing that I had seen all year long. And so from a, a, a show standpoint and from a racing product standpoint, that what you want to see, obviously, out of a 100,000 to win Crown Jewel, no less the Dirt Track World Championship, right? We can all say with assurance, now I can say with assurance that their track world championship is the third biggest race in our sport. You know, the blue-gray 100, not too far behind, right? So from a, a racing product standpoint, obviously it makes sense. It's Eldora, it's going to put on a show. But I can't say that it makes sense because we're already there a month before at the World 100. And then so after we pack up at the World 100, now we're going to go back in a month to and the season for the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series at Eldora, um, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, you know, that you have the the three biggest races in our sport at the same track. Um, I mean, Kevin put it perfectly. It's like playing the Masters and the U.S. Open uh, and the British Open or the PGA Championship all on the same course, right? I mean, it's it's... There is something obviously magical about Augusta National in Georgia. Same kind of magic that you have at Eldora. It just uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, if Eldora is a, a stopgap as to, you know, where this race could move moving forward, then I'm okay with it. If it's just there for one year next year, I'm okay with it. But I really don't want to see it return you know, I don't want to see the Dirt Track World Championship go back to Eldora. I'm all for trying, you know, new things in our sport, but uh, I just uh, I don't like the move. I don't really have a whole lot of strong opinions, or I'm I'm coming around to forming strong opinions in our sport. You know, just because I'm new and, and don't want to rub people the wrong way, and obviously making sure you know you're you're confident as to what you're speaking about. 
Um, hopefully it, it, it turns into a good show next year and that they can, um, you know, the ones that are behind the scenes, you know, figuring out tire compounds and, and, you know, how to prep the racetrack for next year. I mean, also too, you know, the dream and the world and even the million, you know, this past year, I mean, they were, we can all agree that the racing wasn't great either there too, but it'll be better than Portsmouth. And uh, it'll be interesting to to see the camping turnout and just the overall turnout. Um, you know, I would expect a typical Eldora atmosphere, but it's just, uh, I don't know. I just think that we could find another track. Now, before we go there, um, I also want to hear Robert's thoughts and then Kevin's thoughts too. And then yours also. Yeah, I was just going to play like devil, devil's advocate before I get to Robert. Because I know Robert and Kovac, they're like purists. I think they would like, you know, like to have in that area, area, especially Robert, because he like, he loved Pennsboro and all that stuff. My thing is like, we've heard and complained, you know, hey, the racing stinks here. We've heard and complained, hey, the car count's kind of being stagnant there, you know, in the 50s and 60s. All the other tracks in the area have kind of had their opportunity to have the race. You know, Atomic, Casey's had it. They had it at Lawrenceburg. They maybe it just wasn't a match. Maybe they deserve a second shot. Um, They've had it, you know, Portsmouth. They've had it at other tracks in Kentucky. And just seems like it's never really worked out there. I know they had a 10-year run. But maybe you get more cars, you know, Robert, because you're going to be closer to Illinois. And I think a lot of those guys will go to Eldora just because of the fact that it's the Big E and it's, you know, only four hours. You're maybe going to get more guys from Michigan and come down in October when their season's over. I don't know what the answer is. But I'm with you for the most part. I think, you know, hey, kind of doesn't really move the needle for me because you already have the dream and world there. And if we have the Dirt Track World Championship there, the way it's been going, there's only going to be three favorites there. Am I kind of right, right about that, Robert, in a way? And also, you know, it's the Dirt Track World Championship. It should be in the location where it's all, always has been. Uh, you're you're definitely not wrong. Uh, Kyle's not wrong. I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Kyle. Um, I, I just don't think that Eldora Speedway – is the right fit for this race. It's not that it's not a great venue. We all love Eldora. It's Eldora for Pete's sakes. Uh, it's not like the racing can't be good. You know, let's think about what uh, Todd Turner posted in his uh, fast talk response. Maybe we have a different format for all three of these races. And so you do, or, or at least you're assured of getting something different with all three when you go there. That's a, that's a, you know, a possibility. But it's it's a dirt track world championship, and to a degree, Eldora was always competing with the dirt track world championship. You know, the World One Hundred and the dirt track until the Dream came along. The dirt track world championship and the World One Hundred were the two biggest crown jewels we had, and there was to me there was always this little bit of a competition between the two. Well, now we don't even have that fun. I, I I just don't think it's the right fit. I think that going to Eldora twice a year is as a late model fan. And keep in mind, I'm not, I'm a late model snob. I've, I've said many times I don't do sprints. I don't care for mods and that sort of stuff. And so Eldora twice a year for our sport is heaven, you know. And I guess we all like to go to, you know, be visit heaven as often as we can. But I mean. It just doesn't seem right. It seems like this race, to me, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but to me, the perfect venue would be a much shorter West Virginia Motor Speedway. Not the 5 8 mile monstrous place that you have now, but what if those guys had spent all the money they spent to make that track a little shorter and make it really racy? Do you think that maybe they could have had a shot at hosting this race? I don't know because I'm not behind the scenes in any of this. But on paper, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, not far from Pennsboro. In fact, in 2001, I did the Dirt Track World Championship and whatever the name of that race at West Virginia Motor was on the exact same weekend, two $50,000 to win weekends within an hour of each other. So it's really close. It's in the same state. Geographically, it makes sense. If you had made that track a big three-eighths or just or just really enhanced the four-tenths that you had it at, maybe. 
just saying maybe they had a chance to actually host the dirt track. I don't think that I think if they thought that they had had a chance to ever host that race, that maybe they would have done that. I don't. They probably thought never, but or maybe they thought if we hey if we make this a five eighths mile, we will get a chance to host it. No, it's just it's just too big of a racetrack. But to me, logistically speaking, historically speaking, uh, the track itself in terms of being able to hold a lot of people, the pit area, and as nice as the track is, because let's at the location uh, off the interstate, let's let's be for real. West Virginia Motor Speedway, which the Lucas Oil Series is going to this year, uh, coming up, is a great facility. I just feel like the track is too big. And I don't feel like they would have had, you know, very many cars, even for a race of of that stature, if they had held this race at that place. So I've racked my head about where should this race be? Because it's easy to say it shouldn't be at a place. It's easy to say, oh, no, that's not the right fit. But it's much harder on the flip side to say, well, what what is the right fit? It's hard. Where are we going to we've got to come up with? Tyler County is too small. The infrastructure is not good, even though I love that little racetrack. There's so many tracks that you think, oh, if we could just have this race at this track, that'd be great. But there's so much more to having a race of that size than just the track. There's the infrastructure of where we're going to park everybody now with all these big haulers. If Are we going to have a huge crowd? Where are we going to put all the campers on? Um, you know, is there internet service? Is there a cell tower within 15 miles? You know, there's so many things that go into hosting an event of that size other than this racetrack makes for great racing, which as a fan, that's the number that should be the number one thing. This racetrack makes for great racing. And I want to go sit in the stands and buy a ticket and watch this race because it's going to be a dandy. Eldora really, like Kyle said, it hasn't really done that. It hasn't moved the needle that direction lately. Uh, it has the potential. I'd like to see it slick from top to bottom, a little bit of cushion, get up there and bang the wall and get it back to the Eldora of old. And uh, and then we can say, whew, that was a hell of a race. But, uh, but you know, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but all these things kind of go together about, about the why you host a race of that size. So um, Eldora to me is just not the right fit for because it doesn't. There are certain needles that doesn't move, and the biggest thing is the biggest thing is the fact that it's got the two biggest races of the year already, and uh, and for sure. I mean, I even told my wife this, and me and my wife don't talk much about racing a lot. I even said this to my wife, Jonathan Davenport, JD. I said. Hell, JD probably wants every crown jewel race to be at Eldora. I mean, he's he's good there. He loves the place. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want, you know, every single big money race moved to your favorite track? Who wouldn't? But that's not, that doesn't do it for fans, I think, you know. So um, maybe it's a one or two year deal and we look for somewhere else down the road. But to me, the Dirt Track World Championship really needs to be in that Virginia, West Virginia area. So I just don't know. Unfortunately, I'm not smart enough. I don't know what the answer is, you know, to to get it back to there. Yeah, and it's in Portsmouth. And if you're looking for another place, you know, I've heard like people talk about Lernerville, Kovac, you know, but they got the firecracker. So you'd be having two crown jewels at the same racetrack in a single season. So put your brain, put your Carl Short brain on. What is his thinking of moving it all the way to Eldora? Because like Robert said, they kind of had that little like friendly rivalry back in the day, Eldora versus Pinsborough, Dirt Track versus the World 100. So his, what is his thought process? And if you really look around on the map, there's not too many tracks you could do in that West Virginia, um, Ohio Valley area that has that facility infrastructure. I know Portsmouth does, but... The racing hasn't been very good there the last couple of years, if you ask the drivers and fans. So it was probably a tough decision for him. But why do you think, you know, at the end of the day, he's like, okay, we can move it to Eldora? Yeah, well, it gets, yeah, Lucas Oil is involved here too. I mean, Lucas Oil Series is, uh, uh, it'll be the first time they're going to ever have a race at Eldora. And Eldora doesn't have many series races at all. I mean, right? I mean, they had a casual flow racing series race this year and, 
had World of Outlaws, you know, in the in the past. But uh, it's I mean, that's more than a decade ago. So that's a that's a that's notable in itself that the the national tour is going to be coming to uh, to Eldora. It, it, but it's just that race. I mean, I just feel like, you know, the identity of of the Dirt Track World Championship takes a little bit of a hit when it's just lumped in now at Eldora. I mean, heck, really, the World 100 is the smallest race there now. It's the biggest, most prestigious race, but it's the one that does, that's going to pay the least now of uh, to win of the three big ones now at Eldora. And, it, and I, I don't know. It's just obviously Jonathan that John Davenport said to me at uh, Las Vegas, I, I, they could have speed weeks at Eldora for as all. I mean, I'd love to see that happen. He said he loves it that much. But, you know, if you're going to win all these championships, like, like you said, it is a little different now. If he does win the Dirt Track World Championship for the first time as it came to his favorite racetrack, you know, like he didn't conquer the Dirt Track World Championship at another place. It just came to him and came to where it's right in his wheelhouse, you know, uh, and and that's 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 part of like I think the magic of Kevin. the whole sport. Go ahead, Robert. I was just thinking the same thing. Scott Bloomquist never conquered Pennsboro. Right. Exactly. You know, he didn't win there. He did not win the Dirt Track mm-hmm. World Championship when it was at its most historic venue. He had to wait till it left somewhere before he could win it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, keep on. I'm just mean to interrupt you, but yeah, that got me. Same thing, man. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. I mean, you know, the, the dirt track since Pennsboro, you know, it has been the moving, you know, the traveling uh, crown jewel, you, you could say, for the last, what, 25 years. It went back to Pennsboro. I think that one year you said, right, Robert, uh, that Robert covered it in 2001. But other than that, it's been a, a, a different racetracks. But, uh, I I just I never even had Eldora on my radar that it could go there if uh, uh, you know when the talk is ha- has been happening like hey maybe it should go somewhere else that Fort Smith is maybe uh you know hasn't hasn't produced the the racing that you really want out of that and you know I mean I love Eldora everybody we 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 all love going to Eldora it's a the big race atmosphere it's great but uh, I still think there's something about like after those guys leave everybody teams leave Eldora at the World 100. And you're like, God, you know, you didn't win. You know, Chris Madden every year, you know, it seems like he's had the same thing. Had didn't win again. I got to wait until June now to have my next chance at a crown jewel. Now it's just like, well, I got to wait another month, you know, and now I'm going to have another chance. It's a, it just seems like it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it takes something away from uh, the identity of it, uh, of the dirt track it's, of itself. It needs to, I, I want to. I don't want my race to, I mean, I guess it's a great deal for Carl Schroeder. We haven't talked to him yet. We have to really talk to Carl and really get his, you know, thinking behind what, what, uh, why he wanted to move it there. Uh, just a great, a good deal for him. Uh, you know, the best, uh, you know, opportunity for it to get a lot of attention. I don't know. I mean, we're all talking about it, good or bad, no doubt about that. Uh, but I, I still think that it's it's I, I would I would rather see. I mean, again, I don't know. It, it's hard to f- figure out the best place. West Virginia Motor Speedway would be the best place if it wasn't such a gi- giant monster track of today's day and age. Because man, you could put a lot. There'd be a lot of campers, and it'd be right in the you know the cradle there of where the Dirt Track World Championship was created. So that's where I would really want it to be. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm just. I know. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm glad right now. The only thing I'm glad about is it, it, says, it says only a two-day show, so I'm uh, I'm imagining that it'll be all the qualifying on Tuesday and then just B mains on Saturday. I don't know something different. At least that'll be different than what the normal format would be for the Eldora Crown Jewels, and maybe that makes it stand out a little bit. But it's not. Uh, it's I'm not like high on. I've like uh, two two weekends at Eldora. Uh, big weekends is enough for me each year. I like to go. I like to have a little variety, go somewhere different from my crown jewels. Yeah, I mean, I'll be spending my time at Salino, Salina, Ohio, like 15 days out of the year now, instead of only you know 12 to 13. So great town, great community. We would only be there two days. We'll have to kind of see how it unfolds. I think you're going to have more you know lane of Lincoln drivers head over for the dirt track, more Midwestern vibe. I think a lot more guys from the southeast that you know maybe Alabama. Uh, Georgia area that like going to Eldora, maybe they're going to come up there for that race. But so I had 68 cars there at Portsmouth and um, let's just do like a quick thought, maybe from the schedules that, you know, stand out after kind of dissecting them and looking at them. I'll go first. I think, you know, people have been chomping at the bit 
for Lucas Oil races that come to the Midwest and Central Illinois, and then the in Illinois Speed Week, you're going to have Farmer City and Fairbury, 30 Granite Falls. Uh, just for a while there, uh, only tracks that were grandfathered in, like Tri-City and LaSalle, could get Lucas Oil races, but obviously that will not be the case anymore. A lot of people in that you know Central Illinois region are very, very stoked to have the Lucas Oil Series finally come to invade the the Midwest and specifically the Central Illinois. So I thought that was a pretty good get for those two Illinois historic tracks in the lane of Lincoln. Uh, Kyle, what are either World of Outlaw side or Lucas Oil side that kind of caught your eye or maybe, oh, you know what? That's a pretty cool three or four races in a row. I think that's going to work out. Yeah, I really like the add-on to Georgetown Speedway on the Lucas Oil Series schedule on April 28th. Uh, that's um, the same weekend as Hagerstown that Saturday and then Port Royal that Sunday. Now, that Friday uh, race before Hagerstown was was usually the Hillbilly 100, right? And uh, which has now moved to September the 3rd, I think, this uh, or next year. And so um, to get Georgetown that date, and I just think Georgetown is so deserving. And uh, just the people, I mean, there's a lot of race fans uh, in Delaware, just race fans on the whole in the mid-Atlantic that, you know, I was just going through Facebook comments and just reactions to that. And, you know, it. Uh, the Mid-Atlantic, I mean, definitely is, uh, you know, will definitely benefit from that race. And I mean, Georgetown Speedway has been around since 1949, has never hosted the Lucas Oil Series. And I don't even know if they've hosted a national touring series race, Kevin. I think Kevin can answer that or confirm that. And so um, I'm just, it's cool to see Georgetown get that date. And, uh, you know, they're definitely deserving of, of that. And uh, I, I, I'm happy for, you know, the racers um, in my region, you know, that I've seen, I've just seen so many big races in our region in the mid-Atlantic either peter off or disappear entirely. And so it's just glad to see um, a big race of this caliber, you know, being added uh, to Georgetown and, and, and just in the region on the whole. So that was the biggest thing that stood out to me personally. Ross and Amanda will be very excited for that. Uh, that yes. Yeah. They'll be excited for that show. Maybe one of those two can get a hometown victory there. Robert C. Francis joined the world of outlaws as the series director for next year. And his schedule starting to look uh, pretty nice. There kind of has taken a little bit of his Lucas oil, you know, uh, ties and kind of doing like split fields on that Friday and having double features, and then they're having a big race on a Saturday. A lot of, you know, 10 grand shows are moving up to 15, so they're adding a lot more money into the, you know, the winner's purse and stuff like that. But I know I read your fast talk. You were kind of opened your eyes up a little bit. It was that big race they're going to have at Talladega, a 50 grand show that, you know, Lucas Oil started doing that last year, and Wu's kind of following suit. He's saying, you know what? We got to add more big paying high purse races throughout the regular season that aren't that are not crown jewels. Uh, definitely, you know, Talladega short track with 50,000 uh, 50, to win definitely just jumped right off the page for me. Uh, you know, and I think that leading into that, uh, leading into that night, and by the way, that's the first $50,000 to win race of the year for the World of Outlaws. But they'll, I think, have a split field uh, deal on the night before April 21st uh, for 4000 to win each. I, I'm pretty sure that's a split field. Uh, but uh you know that's that's NASCAR weekend at in Talladega, Alabama. That place is you talk about atmosphere. That place is going to be lit. That place is going to be rocking off the chart if the weather's good. It's already jam packed. Throw in a fifty thousand dollar to win World of Outlaws race. You know it's it's just going to be it's going to be insane. Uh, definitely going to be a, a one of the early one of the places to be early in our season for sure. Uh, and another couple of things, I guess that, that really kind of stood out, uh, the sunshine nationals three race stint at Volusia that kind of kicks off the the series and kind of kicks off really kind of kicks off our Georgia, Florida speed weeks now, unfortunately, but at any rate kicks off a season and that finale is going to pay $20,000 to win 
as will the February 18th finale at Volusia for the World of Outlaws that will wrap up the Dirt Car Nationals. That will now also pay $20,000 to win. So um, those are, those are that's good to get that money. You're there for three, four days, or as, as far as the Dirt Car Nationals, you're there for a week. Uh, so it's good to get that that prize at the kind of at the end there. Uh, to see those purses go up, and so several fifty thousand uh, dollars to win events on the, uh, the you know on the World of Outlaws slate, uh, Mississippi Thunder, uh, and uh, I think a Fairbury obviously uh, stands out. So you know I think that like you said you know the they've really kind of heading in the right direction there, and, and I'm excited to see what that season brings. Finally, Kovac, and say just really quick what stands out to you but just looking at it yeah there's a few weekends where they're both on top of each other but there's a lot of empty weekends where you can run the independent schedule and go race both and go race the big money so i think them working together on that aspect of it is pretty cool as well I'm, that was just another note i like just comparing the two sides but what uh what stands out to you yeah i like the there's one change that does really help with that like open it up for some outlaw guys to go to some lucas races would be uh their upper Midwest swing, you know, they're when they go up to River Cities up in, in North Dakota and, you know, in Minnesota swing there. That's usually in July, mid-July. Uh, it's usually about the same time as the the Lucas Oil Series will be running that Silver Dollar Nationals or or uh, when they're at Tri-City in, in the Wheatland. You know, Deer Creek this year was right around the same time as the Deer Creek uh, go for 50 that went up to 50,000 to win. This year, it's, it, it starts that that swing will start actually with a big race for a for the World of Outlaws at uh, 81 Speedway there in uh, in Kansas, there, and it'll be right in June on June 23rd and 24th. They're going to be at two four thousands, then the thirty thousand on Saturday. Uh, that's that's against the Firecracker 100 at at, at uh, Lernerville for the Lucas Oil Series, so there won't be any over you know overlap. There won't be any uh, you know outlaw drivers or Lucas Oil drivers running each of them. Uh, but then the Outlaws go to Off-Road Speedway in, in Nebraska, first time ever there. Mason City Motor Speedway in Mason City, Iowa. That's a that'll be a that should be a pretty uh, you know interesting event. Red River Valley up in North Dakota, which they haven't been to in a while. River City Speedway with great track, and then I-94 Shorestep Speedway in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. That goes right through July 1st, and then you open it up. Then these Outlaw guys will be out there. And instead of having a race and not being able to run the go for 50 at Deer Creek, outlaw guys could probably go if they want to stay out there. They can go to Deer Creek now and run that go for 50. That could help that event a lot. Uh, used to be an outlaw race also there. And and they could also, I mean, if they want to, it depends on how long uh, everybody wants to, um, you know, go back out there, I guess, because the outlaws will have a few races uh, um uh, back in the Midwest, of Ponderosa and in Brownstown, Indiana, July 14th, 15th against Lucas. But the week after, Lucas has the Houston Speedway uh, Silver Dollar Nationals, new home for the Silver Dollar Nationals after leaving I-80. Uh, it'll be at Houston Speedway in South Dakota, which uh, that's another race. That's one of the races I'm kind of looking forward to the most, I think. Uh, uh, that that could be a really good one and, and no outlaw race that weekend. So maybe outlaw guys will, will if they want to, they'll can go back out there and, and run that. Uh, so that, that's that little, that's a stretch of the season. I'm really interested in the most, I guess that, that really sticks out to me. Yeah. It's still got that weather Western Northern swing, but it's not as crazy as when, you know, Kovac back in the day going out to Gillette, Wyoming, you can, uh, from June 23rd all the way until July 11th, you can stay in that area, hit up Davenport, and then go race at Ponderosa in Brownstown. But the one question still remains, what guys will be running what what next year? It's what the wait until speed weeks since they're not running on top of each other. You have guys have plenty of choices. Drivers will have decisions to make once we get into March and April. But still a question that remains, where will what driver and where They'll be racing next year, either with Lucas Oil or the World of Outlaws. But nonetheless, like in the schedule, they're adding more money, bigger paying purses, which is great to see. And hopefully that continues to grow for the drivers and the fans will come out and support it. As always, we finish this thing with one more thing. Robert, you're the leadoff hitter because last week you did such a phenomenal job. Thank you for that. Derek, I really appreciate that. And while we're talking, I would just, you know, while we're talking about schedules, 
uh, I'll just, uh, and, and me being a crate guy, I'm just going to uh, make a note on my one more thing that the uh, Tennessee-based, so I got all these ties going together. I'm a crate guy. We're talking about schedules. I live in Tennessee. So the Tennessee-based uh, American All-Star Tour uh, is next year, I think, in the July 20th through the 22nd. They will have their first ever crate race in Indiana, and it is a biggie. Uh, Paragon Speedway will host a $20,000 to win crate late model to race uh, is what the finale on July 22nd will pay. Uh, it's a three-eighths mile track for, for and it's not a track that we talk about a lot here, you know, on our program. Uh, if you're familiar with that track, great. If not, uh, most of uh, our listeners are familiar with uh, Hudson O'Neill, Don O'Neill, Martinsville, Indiana. Uh, so Paragon Speedway is only about 15 minutes, I think, west of Martinsville, Indiana. So it's a little bit south of Indianapolis to kind of give people uh, or like, where's Paragon? I think mostly they host like mods and sprints or something like that. But $20,000 to win crate late models. Uh, third week of July, this coming season, it's going to be a, a blast there at that track. Uh, so, so that's something to, so crate late model guys in the area can definitely, uh, circle on their calendar. Big pain race in the state of Indiana. Looking forward to that. My, uh, one more thing is just want to give a shout out. It was, uh, announced last week that Jimmy Mars will be retiring and Dustin Sorensen will replace them in the MB customs house car. Just want to congratulate, you know, the Iceman on a, Great career, long career, former dream winner, former Predator Classic winner, a couple of firecrackers and stuff like that. So just wanted to wish the Wisconsin driver, Packer fan, Jimmy Mars. He's going to continue building race cars and going to help out Dustin Sorson. But another door closes. When a door closes, another one opens. I, would lo- I can't wait to see the former USMTS champion in a hot shoe replace him, and maybe he can get the job done and put that uh, 28 car in victory lane, if he's going to be 28. but. Historic career, just wanted to give a shout-out to Jimmy Mars, who will be retiring. Uh, Kyle, how about you? Yeah, Chuck Hanna is taking over operations of East Moline Speedway in your land of Lincoln there, Derek, uh, starting next season. Inked a, a three-year deal uh, to uh, start promoting the Speedway and uh, putting down the Fairbury Black Dirt um, on the bull ring of East Moline. And also Look is out. going out actually this Friday to. Uh, basically, just just uh, to to Fairbury and uh, taking notes on uh, just the grade of Fairbury to bank East East Moline uh, and grade the track of East Moline in a way that is uh, that resembles Fairbury. So I think Fairbury's got like 25 degrees of banking in the corners. I asked uh, Chuck Hanna uh, on Monday what. Uh, what kind of banking that East Moline has. And he wasn't sure, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, he's going to refurbish that racetrack and also push up the start times too on Sunday. So I think uh, some changes coming there and we'll see um, what that brings to, uh, to that racetrack. So Chuck Hanna, what a name. Uh, Kovac, me and Todd Turner had a great rain out there. Summer nationals. It poured there the night before and it was still flooded the next day. It was like, Perfect sunny conditions, a Sunday after Fairbury, which you know how I like summer nationals at Fairbury. I wasn't too mad that they got postponed to the following weekend. So it was a great uh, one of those rainouts where you're not expecting it. They still got the race in, but at the time I was very pleased. And I think Todd Turner was very ecstatic as well and instantly drove home to Louisville, Kentucky. But East Moline is going to try to make moves there. What do you got for your one more thing? Uh, well, one more chance here for, uh, well, two more, I guess you could say for Jonathan Davenport to hit that $2 million mark, uh, for the season earnings. Uh, he had one earned over, I think about $60,000 just this past weekend at Las Vegas. Cause he, with a $20,000 win and he also, uh, finished second on Saturday night. So he got that double down XR bonus that, uh, uh, triple double bonus, whatever it was called, uh, to get to forty thousand dollars for a runner-up. He earned just as much as Bobby Pierce won for winning the race because Pierce wasn't eligible for that bonus. So uh, put him over sixty, and he's just short of one million nine hundred fifty thousand dollars in earnings this year. 
Uh, and he's got uh, his last weekend of racing his Altex XR races the first weekend in December. And those are scheduled to be 20,000 and 40,000 to win. So if he's able to sweep them, he can get the 20 million uh, to $2 million. And that would also put him to $1 million without the million from Eldora, which would be a record in itself. I mean, he's, I think he's uh, right on the edge here, him and nip and tuck to, like the richest season in, in late model history, other than when Bot Donnie Moran won the million uh, at Eldora was last year uh, with um, Brandon Overton getting, I think it was around 960,000, something like that. He fell just short of, of a million dollar season. Uh, so Davenport can get that if he, uh, with, uh, with a sweep of the weekend at Alltech. So we'll see. We'll see if he can, see if he's able to get up there to that big number. Never say never. Was riding the best doves yesterday for the drivers. 16 races. He's one that's paid 20 grand or more. Just think about that, guys. A lot of drivers go their entire career and not even win 16. They could race 40 years and not win 16 big paying races. And to get to $2 million is uh, absolutely wild. And drivers in other sports that I talked to at Charlotte, they're, you know, they're on notice that Jonathan Davenport, Superman, has made that much money. So I'll see if he can get it there at all tech. It'd be a pretty, pretty cool storyline to finish out 2022. Well, everybody, thank you for listening at home. Uh, we talked about, you know, the past weekend at the peach state in Las Vegas, Lucas oil and world of outlaw schedules. Go check them out. Order your tickets for the big events coming up in 2023. This weekend, the blue gray 100, we got the hunt, the front race. So plenty of action still to come live at flow racing. Uh, make sure to check out some articles, race wire, dirt wire, because some breaking news will probably be happening just because we're at the end of the season. So uh, be sure to check that out. Flowracing.com and dirtondirt.com. You can find all your information. Till next time, this is the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for listening.